Madison over it. It is Madison! And he's done it! A phenomenal free kick from James Madison! Hello and welcome to the latest By The Minute Aberdeen podcast. Now tonight, as well as Martin Clunas, who's with us again. Hi Martin. How you doing Richard? Good to be back. Uh, we've also managed to secure uh, the return visit of Rachel Corsi. Rachel, great to have you back on. Thanks very much Richard, good to be here. Uh, Rachel, obviously, if you didn't know, as if you wouldn't know, is uh, Scotland's women's national team captain as of the end of last year. And we'll be talking to her about what lies ahead for the Scotland team and also about what was quite a momentous 2017 as well. Firstly, we'll talk about the Dons and on Saturday, St Mirren were the visitors in the Scottish Cup tie that was meant to be a bit of a banana skin for Aberdeen, but uh, it didn't really work out like that. A professional enough performance. I say professional enough because there were certainly concerns about some of our defensive play during the course of the match. I thought what was impressive, Rachel, is that yes, St Mirren made mistakes, but we looked quite sharp going forward. Some really sharp, incisive play helped us exploit uh, St Mirren's weaknesses at the back. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was a good game. Um, probably one of the few games that Aberdeen are on TV and there's lots of goals. Like you say, there was lots of attacking opportunities positive style of play and I think that's something that we've started to see quite a lot at home um, and I know that I think GMS has been had a little bit of stick about maybe not being consistent or being a bit low in confidence but that looks to be behind him and um, last couple of times I've seen him he's um, he's been excellent so and that obviously was topped off by a wonderful finish so um, obviously at home and I think for the fans it, it's good that we see off these teams and we just solidify our quality and our our sort of position that's reflected by the league. Martin, I think what probably did help us as much as St Mirren making some elementary errors was the fact that St Mirren actually came up here and decided to have a go, decided to attack. I kind of get the feeling that if they're back here next season, having got promoted, that we'll see an entirely different setup. that will be much more based on trying to eke out a point. It was quite refreshing to see a team actually come up here and, and have a go. But of course, it, it did mean that they were right to be exploited at the back. It was, yeah. I mean, you're completely right. It was good to see. You know, next season will be will be a total. I mean, I think it's pretty pretty much set in stone that they're going to be either in the playoffs or they're going to win the league so um, next season probably will be a totally different ball game from them um, they're going to try and have to eke out you know rough points here and there especially away from home but it was really good to see I mean I think that the scoreline 4-1 I don't think really don't think flattered us at all but it was it was good to see St Mirren actually come and try and play some football as well you know they're you know okay they're 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 a championship side so you know there is there was a lack of quality there in some areas of the pitch from them uh, but no, they're a, they're, a, they're a pretty decent side, um, and it was it, it made for a pretty decent game as well. It was actually it was quite enjoyable. Rachel, as a defender yourself, um, we're going to seek your opinion on this. But the, the goal Aberdeen lost, no one involved really comes out of it with too much credit. Uh, Greg Stewart, first yeah. of all, giving the ball away very cheaply in the edge of his box. 
but then I think Joe Lewis can maybe do better, and, and Mark Reynolds is um, it, maybe a bit slow to react, certainly compared to the St Mirren attacker. Yeah, you know, obviously um, Stuart made the, the initial error, and I, I think, to be honest, that there, there was a, quite a lot of that went on in the first half, just some basic errors, and I think it was almost because we had found ourselves ahead so early, I think, I don't know if it, they just were a little more relaxed than usual. You know, I think if we're playing Celtic, I don't think Greg Stewart's dribbling in that position, or along with those similar mistakes that also happened in the first half that didn't lead to any more goals, fortunately. Um, I would be inclined to say for what did follow, you know, I think it's harsh to say Reynolds could have reacted better. I think we all expected Joe to probably to deal with that, at least push that away from danger and, um, you know, it's fallen kindly to Riley who's just been able to, you know, first time finish. So I I think it's hard to say Reynolds might have done better there. Could, he could have been on his toes perhaps, but it's difficult, I would say. And um, without being a goalkeeper or a goalkeeper coach, I would probably err most of my blame on, on Joe Lewis, I think. Yeah, tomorrow night's an entirely different test, obviously, than the one St Mirren gave us on Saturday. Um, but any jitters we might have had were settled. I mean, first of all, Ryan Christie gets a second of the game to, to, to restore that two-goal cushion before half-time. But then, immediately after half-time, uh, I'm sure the message in the away dressing room would have been, you know, get the next goal, make it a game, bring it back into the balance. Well, Gary McKay-Steven put it to bed, didn't he? And, and what a hit, Martin. It was just excellent, was it? It's it's exactly the kind of thing we wanted to see from him. Uh, we we've seen before. We know he's he's got that kind of that skill and that ability in his locker. And you know, there's not a keeper in the league saving that. You know, whether, whether, okay, I may have been a little bit you know, disparaging of the championship players earlier on, but this was you know, there's not a keeper in Scotland that's catching that one. Um, not even our own Joe Lewis. Uh, just excellent. You know, lovely bit of movement, great turn, and you know, he picks out picks out the exact spot. Um, and great to see Mackay Stephen I thought had a really good afternoon um, I thought him and Christie were excellent And it's really good to see Hopefully you know, I know um, Christie is apparently carrying a, carrying a bit of a knock um, But he's going to be going down tomorrow um, So hopefully you know, with that, If they're in that kind of form And not just those two The rest of the team as well Going forward We can, pose them, we can certainly pose them some problems Now the second half after that uh, uh, Well uh, Aberdeen were in complete control uh, I can't say it was most exciting 40 minutes uh, that I've ever watched but one thing it did cheer us up was the return in a red shirt of Niall McGinn and even in what was a, a cameo performance he certainly showed flashes of the old uh, wing trickery Rachel a couple of very very good balls across the box and it's very clear what you know what he'll bring back to this Aberdeen team isn't it? Yeah he's you know he's a fan favourite he's actually got the record of showing that he's a very, very good player. Um, he brings that quality, you know, he created a, a couple of chances as soon as he came on and um, I think just for even the players themselves, you know, he's one that you get the vibe, gets on with the group and is good for the, the changing rooms and and I just think it's it's a positive that he's back in, back in the team and hopefully can push us on for the remainder of the season. And you can't really buy that sort of understanding, uh, Martin, that, that, for example, now McGinn and Adam Rooney have got. Um, uh, that's that's going to be priceless for us, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I mean, McGinn is, McGinn is an excellent footballer and it, we were delighted that he's back. Um, yeah, again, he showed, showed little flashes of what he's capable of 
on Saturday when I mean, but when he came on, the game was the game was dead and buried. Um, so he was able to come on and um, just kind of just get himself settled back into the side, and um, that's that that's going to be really important going forward. Now we don't know how full how fit Stevie May is going to be. Um, so that's obviously something new that we'll find out about as well as if May and McGinn will form some sort of understanding. But if it's anything like the 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 seemingly sort of telepathic understanding that McGinn has with Adam Rooney, then we're in for quite a ride. Well, it's it's unfair to maybe extrapolate that Samoan performance uh, to make a, a claim for the quality of the, the whole of the championship. But certainly the question which may have crossed quite a few Aberdeen fans' minds during the course of that game was just how bad might Muston United be to be behind Samoan. <laughs> well, we get the chance to answer that in the fifth round. It's uh, quite a tasty little draw, that, uh, Rachel. It's, it's a game that people are genuinely quite excited about, uh, Dun United at home. Yeah, I think so, and I think obviously we'd expect to win that. I think we have a good record against them, and it's a little bit of that derby game which we've enjoyed, I would say, on the most part over the last few years. So it's a great draw, and it's another home game, and especially at home, I, th- I think we have excellent form and would fancy our chances just about against anyone. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good draw for us on the whole, and I think, again, we'd expect to progress the next round. Martin, you were pining for them just last week. Uh, you must be delighted. Oh, I am. Um, ever since we started this podcast, Richard, every time we've previewed a cup game, you've always said that the best possible cup draw is a home draw against lower league, op- lesser lower league opposition. So that's exactly what we've got. So um, it'll be good to see them. Right. OK. Um, so... That's the cup, that's out of the way for a few more weeks uh, A few postponements and replays to come So uh, the ties will be going on But uh, Aberdeen's place is secure Dundee United up next What has happened since that Simmering game Is that Kenny McLean's transfer to Norwich has crystallised The nature of it is a little bit unusual it's Certainly for a guy that's uh, 26 and uh, a full internationalist He's been bought by Norwich but he's loaned back to us until the end of the season. Uh, a little bit unusual. Um, I think the justification is that Norwich will be losing a couple of midfielders in, in the summer. So that's really when they need him. They're buying him as opposed to trying to get him on a pre-contract. I think for the security of knowing that he's definitely signed up. And just to kind of jump the queue, I suppose. He's, he's one that we've devoted a lot of time to on this podcast Rachel, I kind of feel that he was really bought to fill that number 10 role because that's where he'd excelled at St Mirren, playing off Stephen Thompson. But he's maybe looked his best in a red shirt, playing a little bit deeper. What do you think from what from the times you've seen him? Yeah, I, th- I think he's one who... He's obviously incredibly technical. Um, and as you say, that those players more often play slightly further forward. Um look to create a bit more from there but I think with him and Shinny beside him they've complemented each other quite well Shinny obviously you know gets stuck in and works incredibly hard puts a shift in puts a tackle in um, just sort of that the messy kind of work you might say um, and I think it allowed McLean to sit in a slightly deeper role but get more of the ball um, and then again I think just with the nature of the players we have now that we've had um Obviously, we had Madison for a spell before, and now we have just we have the players who can then also play in the ten role extremely effectively as well. And so, I think he's almost ended up playing deeper by default, and in order to accommodate who we actually have in the team. Um, 
and yeah, he's obviously done really well. And it's difficult to get a move down south, so the fact he's even had that interest and, and got that move is a credit to him. Um, I think a lot of the fans will be disappointed he is going, but um, you can understand why he wants to try that opportunity. Um, and it's definitely a positive that we don't lose him now and we get him for the rest of the season. Yeah, the, the James Madison and Ryan Christie comparisons are, are quite a useful one because I don't think, uh, Martin, that Derek McInnes would have gone out looking to get James Madison in in the first place and then subsequently Ryan Christie if he felt that Kenny McLean was really doing enough in that number 10 role. Our frustration with him has always been that the sort of end product, the goals, the direct assists, which haven't really flowed when he's played in that number 10 role compared to what Ryan Christie and James Madison both did. No, you're 100% right. Yeah, I mean... We'll probably never know um, the real reason you know, why it's, why he's sort of not flourished there. But I mean, he's sort of he's, as he's gone deeper. I know he is he is a good player, and as Rachel says, there he is very technical, and you know there is a there is a very very good player in there. Um, I'm, I'm convinced of it, um, and we'll probably you know I do you know for him I do hope that we see some see that when he goes to Norwich next season. It's it's just unfortunate, you know. I'd have I'd have preferred him to sign a new contract and stay, but you know the guy is clearly very ambitious, and we're he's not we're not going to see much of much more of him. But no, Ryan Christie, James Madison as well, filled that role, and probably were slightly more creative footballers, and were able to do a little bit more um, on the ball, which is unfortunate for McLean um, that he never really. I don't think he's really found a, a, a position and made it his own at Aberdeen, which um, is, is, is unfortunate for me, really. Well, let's talk about another guy who's out of contract at the end of this season. Uh, and another player who was probably bought to fill a specific role, or at least be back up last season to a specific role, but has maybe found his uh, niche slightly further back. And that's Anthony O'Connor. Martin, again, someone we've probably devoted a fair amount of time to on this podcast. He's a good age, he's got good physicality, but technically you did feel when he played in midfield that he, he was somewhat lacking. So I, I don't think that this this current Aberdeen side, despite the fact that there's been lots of calls for having, you know, and we've mentioned it before about having, you know, that midfield kind of bastard, um, you know, what really physical player who can just who will just get stuck into people. Um, I don't think this Aberdeen side has has room for someone really like that. I think we're a technical side that would play football, and O'Connor hasn't really fitted into that. Um, I think he's probably been. I think he's probably been better when he's played it in the defence rather than defensive midfield. To be totally honest, you know, it just it seems to be. I think there's more. For me, it looks like there's a concentration thing rather than a, rather than being you know, technically lacking. I mean, he's not a creative midfielder by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's where probably falls down. Uh, we're not looking at hanging out to dry here, but uh, obviously he, no, he no, might no. he might still end up signing a signing a new deal. I did see some comments on social media today that you know he'd he'd be more easily replaceable than some other departures. Uh, Rachel, I don't know if, if you think that's fair or not. Well, this is where I'm not a very good fan. I actually only realised he was bought as a defensive midfielder when I was reading your plan for the scheduled show. Um, I actually saw him at Parkhead for that Celtic game not too long ago, um, just before Christmas, and that was probably the first time I'd actually seen him playing that defensive midfield role. Yeah. Um, and I actually was pleasantly surprised, which I don't know if that's because I maybe didn't have all that high in expectations, <laughs> um, but I, I actually thought he did better than I expected him to, and I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but... I agree with Martin. He, he's not the most technical player, and I think it's very noticeable when 
we try and play that when teams pressurise him and or allow him to have the ball, he invariably looks to go long and he's perhaps not the most he never looks the most comfortable and the most natural in a lot of the rotation and movement that the rest of them seem to be quite comfortable with. So, again, I, I don't want to be disrespectful or negative. I think he does a good job for us. I think he is better when he plays centre-back, and I agree he's better when his concentration isn't tested too much and he's able to play fairly simply. And when he does that, he can be very effective. I think his best games at defensive midfield, and maybe the game at Parkhead, fall into this category. It's probably been when he's had a, a specific defensive role to perform. Um, whereas obviously under McInnes previously you had Ryan Jack there who could who could perform a kind of uh, reductive role but also be able to open play out as well um, I think in particular about games against St Johnston where he's uh, he's kind of doubled up and helped the defence deal with Stephen McLean Motherwell as well in the 1-0 win at Firth Park earlier this season I, I thought he performed quite well there again with a specific role to kind of work as a triangle almost with the uh, with the centre-backs um, but he may still sign on Derek McInnes is clearly very keen on him he's played every single minute of uh, Aberdeen games this season the only outfield player to do so so you know we might sit here and say he's more easily replaceable but in Derek McInnes's eyes clearly he's a key player and um, no doubt he'll be he'll be part of the team tomorrow night at Ibrox. Now, this is a big, big game for a lot of reasons. Number one about those being that um, we've already lost twice to this team this season and um, this team is in danger of becoming labelled flat-track bullies because obviously with defeats to Celtic, I don't, they're not any easier to stomach, of course, but there's more of, an, more of a realism I think with Celtic that they're miles ahead in terms of budget. Not being able to compete with a Rangers team who have lost at home to Hamilton, lost at home to you know name you name the team they've they've stumbled against them. Apart from us, it seems it's really imperative, Martin, that we put in a performance and get a result tomorrow night. Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean the, the the term flat track bullies is exactly right. I mean there's no. No, it's all it's all well doing you know doing the business against the teams that are at the bottom half of the table, but um, when it really matters, it's it's against the teams that are in and around you. I teach teams like Hearts, like Hibs, like Rangers, and so yeah, the Celtic game the Celtic game sort of stand alone in that as because the, because they're, they're so far ahead of us. Um, a result is a result of a performance is really important tomorrow. I think we've got a, I think we've got a, a very good chance tomorrow. You know, they aren't the greatest side in the world as well. I think we need to take that. That's what makes the the, the defeats to them earlier in the season so disappointing as well. They know that you know, we've basically taken their their under twenty ones coaches kind of came in and they've just all started suddenly playing for, playing for them. But you know they've brought in some players that are you know, are decent players. You would probably say improvements, but um, we have some very talented creative players. You know, Niall McGinn only played what twenty five thirty minutes the other day. Um, he you know, probably you know will be a bigger part tomorrow. Let's see. Um, I think we've got a fantastic chance of getting something from them. Yeah. This has the potential, which I think, to really set the tone for the second half of the season, either positively or negatively, doesn't it? Because you win, you go six points clear. You lose, you go behind, you fall into third place. And, yeah, people start pointing the fingers, even if we do end up finishing second overall, that we've lost three times in a row to them. It means more than just the three points, really. It does. I think, as an Aberdeen fan and just for the club, as a whole, you know, we always 
have this passionate desire when we play Rangers we have to win and and there is more on it now because the squad we have at the moment we should win um, I think the last two games I don't think it helped us that they were pretty much back to back if I remember correctly yeah and I, I think that almost became a mind game for for some of the team and and I think that was maybe something new and perhaps a club like Rangers who who I feel were perhaps just a little more prepared and and they're more set up for that type of mind games and play dirty and use those tactics because because they've done it before um and perhaps we were a little a little naive in that situation and it got the better of us like I say back to back didn't help I'm going to say though if if we don't win tomorrow night I don't think it needs to be the crisis I think it's bitterly disappointing to take it as we've lost to Rangers three times this year but I think if we still go on and finish second then that's still an absolute massive an absolutely massive achievement and something that far overweighs whether we've lost to Rangers three times in the season, in my personal opinion. <clears throat> I think you know, we can get caught up with talking about them. Um, we're a better team. We have lost, which is disappointing. We have a chance to get something back at Ibrox, which will still be difficult. Um, if we don't do that, though, the focus needs to just be on the next game and Kilmarnock at the weekend, and it's as simple as that. Get the three points then and, and push on and make sure we cement that second place and really show that that's the level of this team and the ability that we have. I think that's that's very fair to say from a from a from almost a, a football point of view. But there's no denying, Martin, that from a supporters' point of view, the overwhelming desire to 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 win there, to to do them over, is going to be is going to be strong. Absolutely. I mean, you, know, you don't you don't, I don't need to tell you how good it felt when we beat them there last season. It was, you know, it had been a long, it had been a very long time, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a phenomenal experience. It was a great performance from the team. Um, so, of course, of course, you want to beat them because there is, there is all the stuff that's happened in the in the past that, you know, that gets dragged up. That, you know, you just want to put them. Basically, you want to put them back in their box. Yeah. And you know, we touched upon mentality earlier, uh, Rachel. I used maybe the phrase flat track bullies. There were guys in our team who maybe have performed in fits and starts. Who, if they want to either get their career back on track or, or demonstrate to their to their parent club that they can be involved in a, a big asset in high pressure games, who really need to perform on a on a personal level. And I'm looking at guys like Guy McKay, Stephen, and Ryan Christie. It's all very well turning up for games against St Mirren and looking flash there, but games like tomorrow night are where you're going to be judged on. No, absolutely. I think we mentioned those guys earlier. Um... They're having a good season, and for me, you know, I'm, I, I love these big games, and I would consider tomorrow night a big game. And um, certainly for them, who even have a little bit of history playing with Celtic, you know, you would hope that it doesn't take much for them to feel the added motivation of what's at stake. Um, and as you say, these players do need to start performing um, week in, week out, and so they both. Both those players you mentioned played extremely well at the weekend, but that was weaker opposition, and, and that game's gone now, so it, it's on to this one, and it's going to be a lot tougher than that was. Hopefully they, they can step up and they can perform, because I think if those two particularly do perform well, then invariably we'll have a strong foothold in the game, and we'll also be creating opportunities, and that 
and that I think is when we're at our best is when we are on the front foot we are attacking and we do control the game we dictate play um, it can be difficult to do Ibrox of course but um, we're clinical we have good attacking players and, and that's probably our best way of defending is when we can look to go forward as much as possible so um, I'm actually going to the game tomorrow so I can't wait well, on that note, here's my fear, Martin. My fear is that we change the shape that he puts that, uh, he puts Anthony O'Connor into defensive midfield, and you kind of you understand that almost on a on the basis of trying to shore things up, trying to be you know not want to give too much away. But our best performances this season have invariably been when we've actually just gone with. Um, Shinny and McLean in the middle and gone with Christie at 10 and, and 2-3-1 as opposed to trying to shore things up I you know I understand the mentality but I, I do kind of feel that it's going to be self-harming I can, under, I can understand that as well yeah I mean you know, if you if you ask me what I would prefer, I would obviously prefer us to go with Shinny and McLean. Um, you know, that's you know that's no slight on Anthony O'Connor. Um, I just, you know, I prefer to watch Aberdeen playing in an attacking, attractive way, and that's 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 tends to be when we get better results as well. Uh, so yeah, I would I would prefer that to happen as well. I mean, you talk about you know like big players as well. You know, if if Gary McKay, Stephen, and Christie perform well, then we're gonna. Then we've got an absolutely excellent chance of getting something down there as well. I mean, these are the type of games that will get looked at, looked upon as well. I mean, you know, these guys have got, these guys will, will know that if they've got ambitions to be international footballers or anything like that, then these are the kind of ga- these are the kind of games you need to put in big performances. So um, I do, but I do hope formation wise we don't change it. Well, McKinnis got a lot of criticism the last game for changing it. Um, and really changing the tactic to suit them or to counter them, however you want to call it. Um, I just I hope that we we want I think we just play our game and allow them to worry about us, um, and I think we'll come out with a really positive result. Yeah, there's a balance to be struck, isn't there? And I'm sure you've had it yourself in your own playing career, Rachel, between being prepared for the opposition and changing what makes your team good to counter that. It's one of those ones that you only really know after the event and then you look back in hindsight and when it works you're a genius and when it doesn't work everyone's on your case and it it can be difficult I would agree with Martin that we look better when we play with McLean and Shinny and we're more enjoyable to watch we play better we've probably won more games with that pairing um, I would guess Um and I think I think like we were saying we're we're better than Rangers. We probably don't need to change. We don't need to panic. And I think that alone actually probably does have a psychological effect on the team. Without maybe a lot of them being consciously aware of that, where you know that when you make that change, you're making it because subconsciously you think the other team might have a threat or might be better than you in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And then you naturally start to do all sorts of things that you would never normally do, and you start to be a lot more defensive. Defensively minded, you stop playing with that flair and natural sort of style that a lot of our players do have, and it takes away a lot of assets, um, both consciously and subconsciously. So I do hope that um, we don't do that because my personal opinion is like against Rangers, we don't need to change. Um, we can play with our best team with the style that we normally play and are most comfortable in. 
Martin, last time out at Ibrox, and I think as Rachel correctly touched upon, the games were back to back, so the, the Petorda game I, I can almost write off as a, a reaction, a continuation of the game, if you like, at Ibrox, but it was such a chastening evening. You can't, you, surely everyone involved that night will be busting a gut not to be, well, humiliated the way they were that night. Yeah, I mean, we were. You know, th- this is the thing that we've seen. We've seen much worse Aberdeen teams go down there and never be in the game as well. Um, so for that group, talented group of players that we have to go down there, and we we barely, we, well, we didn't lay a glove on them at all. You know, you get, you get, you know, there was an early penalty decision which you know was 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 unfortunate, but you know, to not perform at all, you know, is you know would be disappointing at the very least for some of those guys as well who know what they're capable of and know that you know, they could have done better um, then the Sunday the, the game on the Sunday it was the Sunday after it then you know, two games two games in a space of five days or something really was um, as you say it was chastening it was it was embarrassing to watch at times I mean the game up here really wasn't much of a contest either to be totally honest and you know, this, is a t- t- this is a chance to kind of just put one back on them put one back on their chin and let them know that you know these these those two games were just were a blip. Well, that's going out tomorrow night, um, and obviously everyone with uh, any kind of affiliation to Aberdeen will be hoping beyond hope that we can repeat the the joy that we felt on uh, back in April when we won down there for the first time in quite some time. Uh, and yes, Rachel, if you're going there, make sure you um, get out of there safely as well. <laughs> so. <laughs> More now with our guest, Rachel Corsi. Delighted to have her back on. And uh, since we last spoke, uh, Rachel's been made Scotland captain, which is quite the honour for Scotland's good national team. 2017 though, was a big year in general for the women's game in Scotland, Rachel. It was the first time that Scotland had qualified for a major national finals. They qualified for Euro 2017 and came so, so close to getting through to the next stage, which again would supersede anything the men have been able to do. But that experience in itself, just um, going away with your country at an event this size, what was it like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was absolutely incredible. It was it, It's hard to put into words because it flew by and it was it was so enjoyable from start to finish and you know, you just try and live in the moment as best you can. It was obviously the first time the women's team has qualified for any major tournament. Um, and so for for that reason, there was no expectation, as you say, to do anything other than and be there and, and enjoy the three group games. So obviously we had an ambition that we felt we could, we had a good chance to get out of the group. And um, Unfortunately, we just fell short. I think most disappointingly was that Portugal game, which fell second, where we we got beat two one in a game which we dominated and controlled, and just let in sloppy goals. And unfortunately, that result meant that even though we beat Spain, which was not expected, the following game um, wasn't quite enough, and we sort of fell short by just the one goal, which which would really have made it to have got out of the group, and that would really have been something extra special, but. It was such a good experience. It was it was something that I think everyone involved with will remember forever, um, or I hope they would. Um, and I think it's just spurred us on to really want to get there again. I think you can see that from, you know, we've had well, we've had five games now under Shelley, who's come in as the new coach since the Euros, and um, there's just there's such a competitive edge within the group now, and within the the wider group of players who are now 
within that pool of players who do get selected, it's it's become um, a real driving force in, in pushing us on now for the World Cup qualification, um, which have obviously begun. And it it was an excellent year last year, and it's something that um, I thoroughly enjoyed, and I've tried to just live in every moment and take as many memories from it and and use it to push me on. Um, the, you talk about the Portugal game. Obviously, we can't really avoid the, the opening game, um, the, the, defeat <laughs> yeah. to, the defeat to England. Um, England, obviously, are one of the best teams in the world, so there's, there's no shame in losing losing to them. They did end up um, topping the group, obviously, quite comfortably, winning all three games. But to actually come back and, and OK, you can be disappointed with the result against Portugal, but I think to, to recover from, from the disappointment that it must have been against England... It, because that's the nature of these competitions, that you have so little time, really, to, to recover from such a disappointment in that opening game. Yeah, I mean, England really were ruthless. Um, I think it was extremely unfortunate. We'd, there's by no means an excuse, but we'd suffered probably, you would argue, three or four players were injured that would certainly have started for us um, and, and been arguably some of our best players um, Unfortunately, they missed out, the likes of Kim Little, Jenny B.T., Emma Mitchell. Um, and I think England were pretty much full strength. And like you say, when you're playing one of the top countries in the world at full strength, and, you know, for a country like us, where it's our first time there and um, we're sort of missing three or four starting players, it was going to be a tough ask. And, and they were just very ready um, and really blew us out of the water. And, and it was tough because I think a lot of us know a lot of their players and, a lot of us have mutual friends and common friends and teammates and all sorts. Of, and we really felt that, you know, on our best day, we really would give them a good game. But but that was a real sucker punch. And as you say, it took a lot for us to come back. But I, I was never in doubt with that in terms of the Scottish spirit and just knowing that group of players, you know. Um, it was one group. It was the first group game. It, it wasn't going to be the end of our tournament we had to come back we had two more games to play in games where we believed we had a huge opportunity to get something from the games and so being there and knowing the group I think I feel more disappointed by like I say that Portugal game where we should never have got beat and um, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Portugal um, but we are a higher ranked team we are a better team and we were better on that day and the goals we lost were just poor and you know, at final tournaments, you, you can't afford to lose poor goals. Um, it, no team that is there is is there without their own merit. So everybody is of a decent level and of a good enough level that if you give them a lead, it can be hard to chase back. And um, We managed it once, but that second goal just killed us off. And, and sadly, it wasn't enough. But there was so much to take from it. And I think just getting that win against Spain meant we ended on a high, um, albeit with us going home. Um, but all three games are fantastic in their own way and taught us so much and and have spurred us on and we want to make the World Cup now. That's the number one goal. That Spain game, were you was everyone fully aware of the of the situation in the group whilst that was going on? Because you know, one more goal would have seen you qualify. Um, there wasn't information coming in from the side, but we knew beforehand that we were assuming that England, England would beat win, Portugal yeah. And, yeah. We, and we knew that we just we needed to beat Spain by two goals um, I have to say we rode our luck <laughs> um, and 
we won by one nil, but we were under extreme pressure for probably the best part of the ninety minutes. So um, we did know we needed that second goal, but but truthfully, there there wasn't too many opportunities for us to get it. Because there's a bit of history with Spain and the Scotland women's team, of course. Because uh, was it the last Euros that they knocked Scotland out in the playoffs? Oh, Spain. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. Um, yeah, that I actually played in that game as well, and yeah, that went to extra time. And I think I remember they scored in the hundred eighteenth minute and the hundred twentieth minute. Yeah, put us out. So. Um, I also ruptured my cruciate that game, so that really wasn't a memorable one. Um, but yeah, Spain are obviously not our lucky team. But on to more positive matters. And yes, latterly in 2017, change of management team, uh, Anna Signal moving on, having done a wonderful job, and Shelley Kerr being appointed, and you being appointed in new captain. Um, and can you, is it possible to sum up your feeling when you got that news? Um... I mean, obviously, it was just, it's a wonderful honour to, to be captain of your country. I, I think it's, everyone would agree, it's one of the best feelings and the biggest honour to do. And um, it comes with it a lot of responsibility, of course. Um, and I was extremely flattered that, that Shelley wanted that role to be fulfilled by me. So um, it's something that I've enjoyed so far and I just hope that can continue to do well and can be part of the team and and keep doing everything that comes with that role and making sure that the team is prepared and is has everything that it needs to to perform at its best. Circumstances being different right now, you would um, have just been um, away and um, in Spain playing two friendlies for the Scotland national team. But unfortunately, you've, you're recovering now from uh, knee surgery. How's that going? Um, yeah, it's, it's well, it's going well, first and foremost. Um, truthfully, it's something that is very long-standing. I actually, I picked up this injury about four weeks prior to the Euros, or maybe six weeks prior to the Euros, um, which most people weren't aware of. Um, and I practically was off. I wasn't able to do any sort of on-feet training in the four weeks build-up. So um, I got myself through the Euros, obviously. Um, and then after that, because the US season didn't stop, I was straight back in the club season. Um, so I didn't actually get a chance to rest. And because I'd managed to get through those European games, um, the club were quite, quite keen to continue with kind of the rehabilitation stuff we were just managing as we went. Um, and we sort of got me to the end of the year. Um, at that point, we made a decision that I managed so far, so they wouldn't look to do anything any sort of intervention, any sort of surgery, they would just see if it would settle down. Um, I had a little bit of a break. I've then, over sort of November, December, was starting back up my training. Um, and it just kind of didn't settle or go away. So timing's been a little bit unfortunate because, as you say, I was forced to be away in Spain with the national team. Um, but we felt with sort of my club season coming up, um, beginning of February, it was best to just have the surgery. Um, it was a very simple procedure and just really a tidy up, as you might say, um, or an MOT, as the surgeon referred to it. <laughs> and and truthfully, I, I feel great already and I'm, I'm back in the gym, back doing a lot of work and it's hopefully just a four-week recovery. So 
it's not too bad, but like you say, it's slightly unfortunate timing because I believe it was 24 degrees yesterday in the manga, <laughs> and it certainly wasn't that here. Yes, yes, that would have been the upside to, to being put through the training sessions, um, definitely. But um, so pre-season training with Seattle would would start at the start of February, is that right? Or Yeah, yeah. 19th of February is the beginning of the pre-season window in the league in America. Okay, and you're very much on course by the sounds of it for for being fit for that. Fingers crossed. Um, it's early days, it's obviously just a it's tomorrow since surgery but but things have gone well and and I'm very hopeful that they'll continue on that path Well 2018 for the national team um, it's World Cup qualification World Cup 2019 will be in France two wins from two for Scotland so far um, including a rather maybe closer than was expected uh, win in Belarus um, the next set of qualifiers coming up in April, um, and it's really the, the sort of big game is going to be against Switzerland, who are the top seeds in the group. Top of the group will qualify, second will go into a playoff if you're one of the best four second place teams. It's going to be a challenge, uh, the Swiss, isn't it? They, they uh, obviously are ranked above Scotland and traditionally one of the big uh, names in women's football. Yeah, they're a good side. Um, they've certainly done very well over the past couple of years and um, actually think recently as well I've, I've pushed on they have some players who play for some of the best clubs in the world some, a lot of players play in Germany and um, have a lot of experience and have been to major tournaments a number of times um, so yeah they'll certainly be a challenge and, and also Poland you know they're, they're one of the top ranked third seed teams so they're certainly not a walkover either um, that's going to be an extremely tough two games but um Shelley's done extremely well at the start of the year, making sure preparation is good. And um, I've had a lot of contact with her over the last week, talking about, and not just her, the players talking about this week in Spain. And there's another um, week where we're looking to go back to Spain and play New Zealand again at the end of February. So there's been a lot of games where we've had the opportunity to work on some things and, and make sure we're prepared. It, it will be a tough double header, and it has the potential to put us in a really commanding position if we can get the results that we want to. Okay, well, wishing you and the team obviously the very best of luck. Um, it was fantastic to be able to, to watch a, a Scotland team at a competitive finals this last summer uh, and tears hoping that in t- uh, 2019 we get that opportunity again. Kilmarnock next up for the Dons after the visit to Ibrox. Saturday, 3pm. Now, Kamarnik, different proposition under Steve Clark, clearly. But we did manage to beat uh, his team 3-1 back down at Rugby Park in November. Uh, Martin, what are you expecting from this one? Um, I'm expecting a harder game than we've had in the past against them. Um, uh, they've not lost a game since we beat them the last time, uh, which is... You know, they've OK, we've had, that, had a winter break, but um, I think they've drawn two games. They've managed to get some good results. You know, they've went, they, they went to... Ibrox in one, sorry, they, sorry, they beat Ibrox. They played um, Rangers at home and beat them. Sorry, um, so I'm expecting a pretty tough game from them this time. I mean, Steve Clark is 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 a good manager. There's no getting away from that. Um, he's certainly a, a class above and and more any of the previous managers that have been um, at Kilmarnock. So um, it'll be a lot closer than um than it's probably been in the past. Now we've rode our luck at times, um, but for the majority of the the games against them, you no. Know, Derek's pretty much 
you know, had their number. So I'm expecting this to be a quite a much, a much tougher task than we've had in the past. One thing that was uh, obvious on Saturday, Rachel, was that the pitch didn't seem to have fared too well over the winter break. Um, this is something that in past seasons that McInnes has made pretty constant reference to. It is going to impact the way we like to play football. But in fairness, I think Kilmarnock under Steve Clark are, are similar. They like to keep the ball on the deck. But uh, it, it, it's about, I think in Scotland or in any country like this, it's, it's about adapting to the conditions, isn't it? Yeah, it can be tricky. Um, I mean, I think the players obviously will all still want to try and get the ball down and play. Um, there's just probably going to be moments where it's going to look a little bit untidy. And, and it is going to be a case of if teams do want to have a battle, they want to play long balls, then we need to be ready to match that. Um, the pitch wasn't looking great. I still think against a team like Kilmarnock, we need to get the ball down and play, especially at home. And you know, give, we'll excuse a few a bobble here or there, but I think the players are competent enough to handle that. And um, hopefully, it doesn't it doesn't cause too many issues. Um, as you say, the, we don't get the weather here to keep the pitches in an, as immaculate a condition as we'd like to. Um, we just need to deal with it. It's the same for both teams and. I certainly would say we're better than Kilmarnock in all in all aspects, so I would expect us to come out on top either way. I think as you pointed out, Martin, Kilmarnock on a good run. And again, in terms of how the game shapes up, that might not be a bad thing. They all come here with confidence. They might be more open than they might otherwise be. A poor quality pitch is going to help a team like a Hearts, for example, try and shut down a game, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, they're going to come and they're going to be brimming with confidence. They're going to try and try and get something where we've seen Kilmarnock in the past. They've came up here, and you know, not to be too negative about opposition, but we've seen we've seen Kilmarnock sides come up here before and just sort of they've came here for a point. Whereas I don't think you know, they're going to be that kind of side now. Um, I think Steve Clarkson is, is a, an ambitious manager in terms of he wants to get results. He wants to get high up the league. He's not quite just content with keeping. Keeping Kilmarnock in the league, that's not what he's there for. Um, he's looking to get decent results out of that. So they're going to be looking to try and come here and get a win, which is good. Um, it hopefully will be a, a bit more of an entertaining spectacle, open game, and um, hopefully, well, I still obviously think we'll win, but um, it'll be a, it'll be a certainly different from any kind of games we've seen recently against them. Well, that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, as I say, the big one tomorrow night, which either... Saturday will be a reaction to it, or we'll be on a high. Let's wait and see how the week pans out. Uh, our huge thanks to Rachel Corsi for joining us tonight. Rachel, as ever, real pleasure to have you on. Yep, thank you very much, Richard. It's been great to be on again. And thanks to Martin. Martin, thanks. Thank you very much, Richard. Always a pleasure. We'll be back with you next week, looking back on a, hopefully, a win at Ibrox. Until then, come on you out.